With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. How about this? Royalty in the house. One of our all-time faves. One of your all-time faves. We will get straight down to business and talk about all kinds of good stuff with the brilliant Greg Rosenthal. Greg Rosenthal, it is great to have you back on the show. I was thinking of you only last night, my friend. I was at the London Stadium watching the mighty West Ham scrabble a one draw, one draw with Brighton. And I thought we got to get you down there because he didn't make it last time we were in London. We didn't get to a game. So we have to make sure that is locked and loaded next time you're here. Well, can you do something about them scheduling games when I'm there? I mean, I think I've done <laughs> enough for the UK at this point in terms of, you know, growing the NFL game. They can, you can work on that. You're big in 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 soccer, right? In um, my name carries absolutely no weight in that respect, but I think yours probably will. Certainly, as, as far as West Ham, okay, the star of the West Ham program not so long ago, Greg Rosenthal. I mean, I, that's going to go all the way to the top there. They could speak to the Premier League and get it sorted. So that's a good chat. Well, we will work on that, uh, and things are looking up in that respect. Uh, good to have you on, but it's been a while. We got a ton to get into, so we're going to get straight down, straight down to business. A lot of different things I want to talk to you about around some of the, I guess, the bigger narratives this season, and, and we'll look at a few of the key matchups this weekend as well, because this is technically a preview show, so we probably should, <laughs> we probably should do a bit of that as well. Uh, <laughs> But I want to start with the news about McCaffrey and and widen that out into the the running back position because it's something that has interested me for years, really, in the it, covering the league, the decline of the of, of the running back in terms of value. I mean, literally in terms of how much they're getting paid, their draft stock. Back from when I started out as a as a, as a nipper and running backs were all the rage, and even you know as recently as. Sean Alexander being MVP and the deals that were getting done back then, uh, you know, it's a position that's changed dramatically in status in, in the last five, six, seven years. Does the injury to McCaffrey and what we've seen with Saquon and Alvin Kamara and Derek Henry, does it, does it bear out the fact that even if you get to the superstar status level and you are that kind of player, you're just too fragile. There's just too much risk to, to really back the running back. What, what do you think about what we've seen this year? I think there's a happy medium. Like if you look at Derrick Henry's contract, uh, you know, Derrick Henry is making a, a great living. Uh, I think it wasn't too outlandish, like from the team perspective. And there was that little period where none of the running backs were getting paid, but that period kind of ended. I mean, McCaffrey got paid, Kamara got paid, Mixon got paid. Uh, they, they all got big contracts. And yet, if you look at like the running backs that were taken in the top 10, let's say of the fantasy football drafts this year, mm. almost all of them are hurt right now or have been hurt uh, for a chunk of the season, except for Joe Mixon. He, he's the one. And it just gets 
me thinking that it's it's not just that you can replace running backs because great running backs are hard to replace, as mm. the Panthers have, have found out. It's more that I, I just think it might be the speed of the game and the strength of these players. It's not the 1980s anymore. It's like everyone's Lawrence Taylor now. Everyone's that big and fast. And <laughs> yeah. so they're hitting you that fast. And I think you got to be really careful with workload. And, and for instance, there's a few exceptions that can handle it, like Derrick Henry, but mm. that's about it. And McCaffrey, it's funny how the, in the 10 games that he's played in the last couple of years, like he's had the ball 30 times a game, and maybe that's not the way to do it. Yeah. So it, so committee and, and spelling different players kind of makes sense. But at the same time, you talk about the 80 throwback, and I was going back to – what 2006 kind of era right uh you know with with players like alexander where they were you know bell cow backs they were getting a serious amount of coverage because teams were were running the ball more and then of course we've had the dawn of the the new era of the nfl everybody's spraying it around and spread offenses and protecting quarterbacks like it's going out of fashion but then this year it feels like things have changed a bit again it's all about controlling possession and uh, and controlling the clock and more and more teams leaning, it seems this year, more on the ground game than they have maybe in the last couple of years. That's absolutely right. I think teams like the Patriots have zigged while the rest of the league has zagged, mm-hmm. at least offensively, looking at a team in their own division, Buffalo. I know we'll get to that game, but I think they looked at what Kansas City and Buffalo are doing defensively and thought the best way to beat them is with a big offensive line and keep holding the ball, like you said, and being able to run it, and, and that's going to help your passing game too. And so you see that out of San Francisco, Philadelphia, certainly, Indianapolis, uh, and it's working uh, offensively. So I, I think that the best answer is that you can do everything. And I think the Patriots have long been a proponent of the idea that like you can have a great running game without having a top five running back. In fact, I think you might have a better running game if you've got three or four different options because you just can't trust those guys to stay healthy. And because guys have different skill sets that you can use on different downs, you look at what they have now in terms of Stevenson, Harris, and Brandon Bolden, and they even have J.J. Taylor, this little guy that comes in there. It's like they all have slightly different skill sets, and they can be used in different ways, and they've been fine when one or two of those guys gets hurt because the other two guys are still there. I have a feeling on that note that the Patriots might be the first team in NFL history to carry six or seven running backs on their starting roster or that have a distinctive style. And Belichick just right. goes... They, they had five. In 2019, when they won the Super Bowl, they had five. And they used all five of them throughout the course of the season. They really did. They're just going to carry running backs and tight ends going forwards. (laughs) I'm pretty certain of it. As you well know, Greg Rosenthal, the brains of this operation is Ollie, the producer. Uh, All the good ideas come and stem from him. Uh, He had a fun idea, which, uh, because we know how much you you love a quarterback index. What about a running back index? Right now, if Greg Rosenthal was handling the weight of a running back index, who would be your top three? right now forget injury just top three based on oh, okay your big three forget injury you know what maurice jones drew does do a running back index i should mm. have sued him in the in you know the same editor who does scandalous index. uh yeah, yeah for <laughs> like rights you know for intellectual should property it, get get a stake of that get a cut of that for sure yeah i don't know if it's i don't know if it's a uh you know, a weekly thing or not, but that just shows how it hasn't popped off. Like, like the QB index has, uh, I'm throwing Mixon in there cause I'm taking injuries into account. And I've long thought he is one of the best pure runners uh, out there. I think you got to throw Henry in 
uh, right now, even though he wouldn't be like the guy I would take just because he's kind of broken football. And I know this is the first time he's gotten hurt. So it's a weird time to talk about it, but the three year run he had uh, until he got hurt was as good as any run in NFL history. Mm -hmm. And at a point where you just, he's doing it and absolutely no one else is doing it. And then Camara would be my, my third. I've, I've long been a Camara over CMC guy that wasn't looking good for a while. Um, but I think his strength is his like contact balance, how he's so hard to get off the ground. And then he's just like an exceptional receiver. He's who I'd start my team with. And ultimately he's been healthier than McCaffrey for the most part. I know Kamara's coming off uh, missing about a month here and that's, that's significant. But for the most part, he's been on the field a lot, you know, throughout his whole career. Yeah, I like that. It's a it's a worthy and a solid top three, particularly as well. Zeke's gone off the the radar a little bit, hasn't he? After a big start to the season, he's running hard as well. But he seems to have he seems to have regressed a little bit in, in recent weeks. And uh, uh, Dalvin Cook, of course, as well would I guess. Yeah, Cook. I can't believe I forgot Jonathan Taylor though. I got to replace uh, Derrick Henry with Jonathan Taylor. I'm sorry. You know, Derrick Henry, your old news. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was a guy who our, our friend Chris Wesseling said about five games into his into his second half of the season last year where he was on a run that he's already a top five running back and I was really surprised when he said that at the time but this the difference in being able to like accelerate when you're making cuts is like it's like what Frank Gore could do it's what Ladanian Tomlinson could do but Taylor's got even a little more juice he's got like you know, rookie year Frank Gore juice uh, to be able to accelerate like while he's moving laterally. It's just incredible. So I'm going with him and Mixon uh, and Kamara now. I'm uh, sorry. Love that. I will tell you, I was looking at the, the numbers this week. Taylor has uh, in total this season, 16 rushing uh, total touchdowns, 14 of which are rushing uh, touchdowns, which means he scored more on his own in terms of rushing TDs than 25 other NFL teams. <laughs> I know it's because he got 11 in one game, but uh, nevertheless, that was, I love that. I love those kind of numbers from Jonathan Taylor. Let's talk Pat's bills, Greg. Uh, Please. Uh, I want to, let's start with the, the level of play from Matt Jones. Are we getting a little bit carried away with how he's playing because he is clearly very competent and fluent, but it's, he's not being asked to do a huge amount. Is he uh, compared to other quarterbacks and, and even other rookie quarterbacks, the system around him is McDaniels is scheming left, right and center uh, to get, simple plays open and that ground game that you've already mentioned is formidable. Yeah, everybody is raving about Mac Jones as the second coming. Now, I'm not knocking Mac Jones, but I'm wondering whether you think maybe we're getting a little bit carried away with how he's playing. I, I do agree with you, but but I, don't, I, I think he deserves the praise. I just think he's getting it in the wrong way, I guess. Mm. So he does do more than all the rest of the rookie quarterbacks. Like, I know he's in a better situation, but none of them are running their entire offenses like at the line of scrimmage. Mac Jones is doing all of that. He's calling the plays. He's, he's uh, a part of calling the protections with the center. Uh, he's getting them in and out of things. They're running a pretty big, diverse offense. Now it's maybe mm. a little more basic than some out there, but it's certainly more than all the rest of the rookie quarterbacks. He could run a good two minute, you know, uh, drill in week two, week one, 
And that mm-hmm. that's impressive. And the touch and the accuracy. So in a way, I don't think he's getting too much praise because he reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson or Andrew Locke as rookies where like they, they, they were in good situations. They weren't asked to do too much and their numbers weren't outlandish, but it was so good for a rookie. It really, um, it really told you that they were, were going to be good in the future. And I think that's the case with Mac Jones. That said, is he better than the average starting quarterback in the league right now? If you compare him to all the veterans, like maybe a little, like, like he's right around average or a little better than average. He's not the reason why they're eight and four, but the way that they can do this with a rookie, you know, I, I keep comparing him to Phillip rivers. He certainly got some Brady in him too. Mm. Like I really think what he's doing now really bodes well for his future. Um, but he's not a top 10 quarterback right now. And I, if they win the Super Bowl, I think he's going to have to actually be a lot better even than he's been so far. Do you think the uh, Patriots are going to be looking at the, the AFC picture right now? And I guess we'll, we'll <laughs> you might revise the answer to this question after this weekend. But looking at what has happened with teams that uh, at the start of the season we figured would be dangerous, like Cleveland falling away realistically. The Bills not as strong uh, as advertised. Even the Dolphins, who are now going on a bit of a run and have this outlandish backdoor chance of a wild card if they they run the table. But teams that we thought could be serious contenders, not so much. Teams that, like the Titans, obviously uh, you know banged up. There doesn't appear to be... Um, a, a, a any one team, and I know this. you could argue this is true in the NFC as well, there isn't w- one team that is grabbing the throne, but do you think the Patriots are looking at it and the way that they're timing it right and they've got this fluency of direction and all of this coming together that that they, uh, they are the team to beat? Do you think that there is a sense of swagger and confidence about the Patriots right now? Well, I'm going to give you my best Belichick here and be like, well, not. Nah, we're just focused on Buffalo, you know, this Monday. <laughs> we're not really thinking about the rest of the league. See, you're getting the good stuff here. It's like I'm starting my day with you, Nat, and then I'm going to NFL now. We're going to the preview show afterwards. I'm going to be all out, but you're getting you're getting the gold right now. I think they – Love that. They're, know, not gonna get, they, they're not going to get a Belichick impression. I'm going to get an Andy Reid impression right. out of you by the end of the show. Right. And my Belichick impression was basically just my voice, um, but like slower. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I, I think they're extremely confident. Uh, I think they've been that all year. I think the way they talked when they were two and four, that I, I was really taken by some of the veterans on the team, including Hightower saying like, we know we are so much better than this. We've got this. We're not worried. Mm. And in the defense, especially is feeling like we're back. And I think they, they fully believe they can go win a Super Bowl. You know, from the outside, us looking at it, yeah, I don't think the AFC is as strong as the NFC. They're both wide open. And yet I feel like you could put about four or five of the NFC teams into the AFC and I might make them the favorite. And so I, I think they, they look at this thing as wide open. Kansas City is obviously kind of the – the team that everyone wants to beat first and they're still in position to get it done. But yeah, I mean, this, these two Buffalo games are fascinating. I tend to give Buffalo a little, I feel like everyone's given up on Buffalo a little too quickly. Um, And so, you know, to me, the most likely outcome here is they split these two and, and we'll see in which order and how that goes. Do you think that the, the Patriots will try and replicate 
what the Colts did again and Buffalo a couple of weeks back and uh, and run it up the gut and just dismantle them that way? Or can you see maybe because that is a little bit too obvious and they Buffalo will be ready for that, uh, whether they can stop it is another matter, of course, but whether you think McDaniels might have a, a slightly different game plan. I think the running game is so integral to everything they do and that they're going to do it almost against anyone and certainly against Buffalo, who is such a good pass defense. And I, and I know they've just lost Tredavious White. That's a massive loss for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're still a good secondary. They're well-coached. They're cohesive. I, I just think it's the biggest challenge the Patriots offense ha- has had. And, and for all the experience that you sort of think about the Patriots coaching staff having, like this offense for the Patriots, which the numbers say they've been great, but if you just look at the schedule and the defenses that they've faced, other than Cleveland, who's pretty up and down, and admittedly they had a great game plan for Cleveland, and maybe they'll just do it again. It hasn't been against great defenses. And to me, Buffalo has a lot of big game experience. Mm. This team has built up slowly under Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. Think of how many big games they've been in since Josh Allen has been there, including a couple in 2019 where you know they took out um, – or where they lost to the Patriots, uh, but then they start improving in, in last year. I think that stuff matters. And I, I, to me, I just kind of have a hard time seeing this Patriots team, which I see more as an upstart, like sweeping this Bills team, which still has a lot of really good players and a good coaching staff. Yeah, I, I really, really agree with your point on, I mean, more broadly, this happens all the damn time that we write teams off, players off far too quickly based on sometimes on one performance in one week. And I think that is absolutely happening, happening with the Bills, that odd game against the Jags, where, which, I mean, I think we'll look back in that years to come as, as one of the weirdest games in the history of the league. And then, you know, following it up with the, the Colts blowout and it's easy to, to get carried away. But every team has shown their fallibility in, 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 in at one point or another this season and typically does, right? Rarely does a, does a team run through the season and doesn't, doesn't have weeks like that and, ga- and games like that. Just jumping back to the, to the rookie quarterbacks for a minute outside of, of Mac Jones. Want to get your take on the performances of some of the others in particular. And I, I know he's probably struggled the most out of those first, first rounders. We haven't seen Trey Lance much, of course, but Zach Wilson, because he, that's an intriguing situation, isn't it? Is there any, possible way given the money and the hype and uh, how a team goes all in on a on a first round a second overall pick of course is there any way you could see them moving away from Wilson after one year if he has a, a, a run-in that's been even worse than what we've seen so far it's funny we do this this um around the NFL TV show. It's there Saturday here. It's on Sky Sports over there on Saturday afternoons. People should, should check that out. How about that plug? And I, I thought for, yeah, I thought for my Jets question this week, because we sort of asked a question for each team, and I, and I had the Jets this week, that I was going to ask basically the exact same question you did just now, Nat. And then I How thought, like, I, let's give this kid a little bit more of a chance. Let's not be like the hot take artist that's already talking about getting rid of him after seven <laughs> starts or whatever it is. 
But you don't have that same sort of integrity, Nat. Never have, never will. I am a hot hot take artist. It's something I aspire to be. But hey, I've got two words for you, Greg Rosenthal. Josh Rosen. Now I know you're going to tell me it was all change in Arizona and Kyler Murray, there isn't a quarterback like him coming out in the draft. But I, I, you know, we all hear every time every year when rookie quarterbacks come in, well, look at Peyton Manning's rookie season and nobody's good and they're rookies. Right. But at what point does a performance and, and look, I hope I don't I don't wish the kid bad. I hope he I hope he succeeds. He's in an awful situation. I get it. But at what point, I guess, maybe extending this away from Wilson and asking it uh in a more um <laughs> In a more metaphysical sense, Greg Rosenthal, at what point could a performance of a rookie quarterback be so bad that, that they move yeah. on? And how close is he to that? <laughs> yeah, like two two weeks from now, two or three weeks from now. That was all. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. that much integrity. I just thought like Dan, Dan Hansis, you know, my co-host is sitting mm. next to me. He's a Jets fan. And, it, and he is coming off of like a long injury and then one game back. So it, look, Matt, it is the question with the Jets. He is the only thing that matters right now for the Jets the rest of the season. I just thought like, well, we've got literally seven games to go, right? Or six games to go for the Jets. Seven games. We've still so much season left. I think the extra week and they're they're doing buys a little later has got us confused. It's like, all right, let's, if he's bad for like three more in a row and we don't see much progress, it's the question because it's not the rookies uh, coming in that I'd be thinking about. It's the veterans. It's Russell Wilson, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, maybe. Although I've always been skeptical that the the Packers will let him go, and I am more skeptical than ever that they will. And um, Deshaun Watson, once his legal situation, you know, gets cover, you know, handled at some point, he will not be on the Texans. So those are the teams, and I'm actually of the mind that you should, you know, if. If he played seven more games like he played the first seven, absolutely, because he's he's looked lost. And, you know, you hope that changes. And if it changes, great. Like then you have to, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I think you got to just, I think you got to be prepared for everything. You, you know, the, the, the Sean Watson is a good example there in, in terms of the tour situation, right? And everybody piling in that quickly. To, let's move on from tour after he's had a cup of coffee and, uh, and, and certainly played a lot better when he was playing than, than, than Zach Wilson has been. But, oh no, we should all move on from, from tour far too quickly. So I get it. I was, I was interested. So you're defensive to, now. You're am. defensive. Am, am I on the back? Am I sounding like I'm on the back foot? Oh, hey, well, it's but I have too. He's he's shown immediately, almost, and certainly the last month has helped. But two has show, showed pretty quickly. He's an NFL quarterback. Now, yeah, what right. what type of NFL quarterback is he going to be? That that's an open question. It could be you know anywhere from like you know Drew Brees at the at the best. Obviously, Oof. that would be yeah. extraordinary. Like right to you know, Andy Dalton or even a little lower than that at the worst. But that's like a guy who's going to have a 12 to 15 year career and make a lot of money, you know, and that's, that's something like that's significant. Zach Wilson has the types of starts that some guys never, never figure it out. Those are the types of starts that those guys have. So it does worry you. So he could be Hollywood Matt Leinert. That was what what we were saying there. He could, he could be, I mean, that maybe it's that, you know, we saw that London game. That was, that was tough sledding. It's just, (laughs) it's tough. Yeah. What about, 
Urban Meyer, because uh, i got to fire different, because I know we're tight for time, because you are, uh, uh, as you've already established, one of the busiest men in the show. We're good. We've got, we got like 10 minutes at least. Ooh, okay, all right. All right. Trying I've, to cut, cut. I've got 11, 11 or 12 more questions. <laughs> so I want to ask Urban Meyer, what is Urban Meyer, uh, one of the more interesting stories of the season? I think we spoke about him last time you were on, because that was right around the height of his... Um, uh, <laughs> of his off the field uh, transgressions and things with the odd exception haven't really gone to plan on the field either. And just look back at all the excitement and hype of Meyer and Lawrence and the Jags are finally relevant. And, and it all seems to be going a little bit pear shaped. Is there any chance he's one and done? Do you think with all these college gigs opening up as well, he might think I'm going to go back to an easier life. I'll get a lot of dollar for that. And I know that world much better. Or, or is that going to, based on what you know of the situation and I guess uh, the kind of mentality mm. he has, you're going to think, well, he wouldn't want to walk away after one year. That would be, uh, particularly in the way that they've played, that would be uh, a real failure. And he couldn't, he would want to have another shot. What what does pear shape mean exactly? I mean, because oh, the pear. shape of the pear gets gets like fat at the bottom. What is the provenance of pear shape? That's that's a whole other show. We got. I'll put that at the NC show. Let us know. I have no okay. idea. But it, okay. pear shape means. I get the idea. Pete Tong. I get going the Pete idea. Tong. Yeah. You won't know that reference either. Going badly. Yeah, he he. It's gone worse than anyone could have possibly imagined. <laughs> Although I have to say, I was wrong about so many things all off season. And I don't think anyone was more skeptical uh, or believing that Urban Meyer was a terrible idea that, than I was. Uh, and then look what's happening. It, it's actually been worse since his transgression because I know they won, they won a game, and it, but the offense has scored three touchdowns since their bye week that wasn't in garbage time. Oh. And, and Trevor, like Trevor Lawrence, you know, there's some concerns there, mm. but, but not like, you know, when you watch him every week, I feel so differently about him than I do about than about Zach Wilson. Mm. You know, I I see it like you see the throws, the timing's off. People I trust just can't believe how poorly run their offense is. Mm. I think the talent is so terrible uh, in terms of who he's throwing it to, and I don't know. It just it feels like one of the worst coach teams in the NFL, one of the worst offensively coached teams that we've seen in the last few years. So I can't get inside Urban Meyer's mind. The, the general feeling is that he wouldn't give up uh, that quickly. I don't think he would leave for like a college job. I think he would just like re-retire again whenever he leaves. But I, I don't think he wants to stick Shad Khan with such an L. I mean, he probably doesn't yeah. want to ha- give back all that money either. I mean, the money is is great. <laughs> so, it's, you know, I, there's no way he's getting, I don't think there's any way he's getting fired. Cause I don't think Sean Chad Khan is taking that big of an L again yeah. so quickly when he's taken a few before. Uh, okay. Inside urban Meyer's mind is that he sounds like a hell of an idea for a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. There's like a weird thing where I think he wants to just be like, I'm urban Meyer. I shouldn't be this miserable, you know, like, why am I putting myself through this? Uh, and it's, it's a tough situation. Can I do 50% less coaching and 50% more going out and hanging out and, and drinking beer with that? Still, can I still get away with that in the 2022 NFL? I think is maybe what he's asking. Right. Right. I don't doubt that they're working harder or whatever. And they've, they've got all these NFL 
lifers, you know, on his staff. But mm. if you if you remember his coaching search, he was not picking from like the top of the food chain there. He was getting some third choices. He was making some surprising decisions. He was basically, you know, on offense, it's run by guys who failed with the Seahawks. So like, I, I, I don't know, but I get the sense from what I hear from people who are smarter than me when it comes to the X's and O's that they think urban is actually putting a lot of his stamp into this offense. And it's mm. just not making sense you know, in terms of the defensive coverages that they're seeing, like that's just what they're running doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, that it's just too easy to defend. I'm almost not smart enough to understand it all, but I've had conversations uh, from people that I, that I absolutely trust. <laughs> I love that self-deprecation. I'm exactly the same with that. Ollie Connolly is on the show uh, next week, I think. Uh, Ollie, he's, good. he's good. He's good. Ollie yeah. Connolly. He's absolutely someone that uh, I will glaze over at some point uh, as he says, excuse me, something, and then kind of find myself back in the room. Right. And I do my work to, I do like, I love to do that and I can get the like overall general ideas and mm. things like that. But it's a lot of like, you know, route combination talks yeah. of, of, like versus the coverages that they're seeing and not adapting to what they're seeing. And that's all like fascinating to me, but I am not going to pretend that I was like, mm. Nope, that route combination can't yeah. do that against cover three. <laughs> It's like in the during the draft as well, when all of these all of these experts come out about a, a fourth round pick that they've maybe seen six minutes of YouTube highlights and they've they've sussed that game out. I love it. I won't I won't fall into that trap either. Uh, hey, uh, you mentioned Russell Wilson, so let me ask you this next: uh, If you think Aaron Rodgers will stick around in Green Bay, which uh, which is a fair shout, I, I kind of leaning with you there. Although the way Aaron Rodgers is behaving. Who the hell knows what what the next uh, 12 months brings? What about Russell Wilson? Is it time for him uh, to move on? And do you think the Seahawks might be looking at it that way as well, that the way things things are going? Is it is it likely this is his last year in Seattle, do you think? Yeah, if I had to guess, I think it's more than 50-50. But this is the situation that no one has an idea on. And I think that no one includes Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. <laughs> Ownership there has changed recently. Paul Allen, you know, the Microsoft co-owner who owned the team, you know, died and his, uh, you know, wife is in charge of the team has not shown from what I've heard, like a lot of inclination to get involved with what's going on at all. Pete Carroll got an extension recently. Um, John Schneider, the GM got an extension recently. I think last off season, it's almost like Pete Carroll is the owner. And so, like, if he's just, like, allowed to run things because he did done such a good job, then I feel like Russell Wilson will be gone because it feels like it's one or the other. If ownership wants to step in and make sure, you know, Russell Wilson stays, then I think Pete Carroll and maybe John Schneider both go bye-bye and, like, Microsoft's got enough money. They can, they can afford to do that if they wanted. But, like, no one has any idea because no one really is, you know, getting a feel from a Microsoft exec, you know, like the, a, a woman who, you know, just lost her husband a couple of years ago. And really it's, it's almost like trying to think of what is that, that movie, Major League, when it's yeah. like the ownership's not even there. Pete Carroll is like the coach right now. He's running the team. Uh, who was the coach in in major league was it i'm trying to think i might have yeah i might be totally yeah <laughs> like kind of mixing my metaphors here it doesn't really make any sense uh but it's it's one of those situations and the broncos are another one where no one talks about 
uh, absentee ownership, and it's so important. Right now, the Broncos, you know, are going to get sold at some point. They have all of these Bolin family members fighting against each other in courts. It's a total mess. Uh, and that, like, is absolutely going to affect everything that happens for them in the future. And yet no one really has an idea of, like, what's going to happen there because yeah, how could anyone know? It's like it's above any treetops, even Ian Rappaport's. <laughs> wow, and that is a high that is a high tree. Let me tell you, and you're, what you're describing with the Broncos sounds succession esque. I know you've been uh, uh, spotted on Twitter. You've suddenly you've suddenly do been some googling. Some googling. It is it is yeah. wild. Yeah, I love I love. It is exactly that. like that, except for like eight or nine of them. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it sounds awesome. The uh, uh, the Broncos are an interesting team because. It could still be a playoff team this season, of course, but there's a feeling that they're one or two pieces short, in- including fairly or unfairly at the quarterback position. And whether you're, you're buying into Teddy or not, right? Maybe he's one of those those players you were describing that can have a, a very serviceable 10, 12 year career without being any great shakes. Maybe that's the, the destiny for, for Teddy. But because of the Aaron Rodgers connection, and I don't know if he, he, Rodgers are being... Uh, uh, connected to the Broncos because they were a team that was particularly looking for for a quarterback. But there's a sense that next year they might be, or next offseason, they might be in the market. So does that mean that they could be looking at a Garoppolo or Matt Ryan? Can you see Denver or either of those players moving on to to a spot like Mm. Denver? No, because I think they have their Matt Ryan or Garoppolo in Teddy. I think Teddy's Mm. probably had his best season this year, maybe his second season, but it's certainly his best season since he tore his ACL. I think he's played better than people realize. Their offense, if you look at all the numbers, uh, is probably a little better than average. Their defense has been well below average. So if they had had the defense they expected and that they've gotten a couple times lately, they would have been fine. And I, I think they're pretty happy with Teddy. You know, I, have a, I do the QB index. I know I'm biased. I have him around 15. Like Matt Ryan, for instance, is 14. Uh, depending on the week, Jimmy Garoppolo is like 19. They're only going to do it if they upgrade huge. But I do think they'd be in the market for Rodgers or Wilson or even Watson. Teddy certainly isn't going to prevent them from doing that. And I think if you look at some of the moves they've made, re-signing Tim Patrick, re-signing Cortland Sutton, like they're set up quite nicely um, for a quarterback to come in and have a lot of success. Yeah, that's a great. Both uh, hell, terrific players. That was, we were talking about that on the show last week. That receiving core of the Broncos is dangerous. Uh, and then some. Uh, the QB index available uh, over on NFL.com, of course. Uh, around the NFL, a terrific at pod that you can download at all good podcatchers. I'm sure you all do anyway. And as Greg mentioned earlier, the TV show on Sky Sports, make sure uh, you catch that uh, on Saturday. One more for you before we let you go, Greg. Who wins this weekend? West Ham or Chelsea? Oh, it's West Ham. I mean, we're riding this momentum to the top. This is like... If they've never been better, right? In your lifetime, have they ever been better? Come it on. Might, they Let's haven't. This. The, the, the highest yeah. they've ever finished in the top flight, which wasn't even the Premier League then, was the first division, was third in 85-86. And it was a, a vintage team. And this team is is close to that. One of the greats. So it's exciting. That's why we've got to get you back and over here before it all goes down, inevitably downhill, which which I've told you before it will. At some point it will. I, I, I want to desperately. This is this has to happen. Um, I don't know. Yeah, talk to the schedule makers. You can do this, Nat. They know you're a fan. 
That's how it works, right? I, I will put, uh, that's what I'm going to concentrate on right now. Uh, uh, when we hang up, that's that's all I'm putting my, <laughs> my attention it's on. It's like, for the guess, which, you know, guess which week next year is going to be like the Jaguars-Giants game. And uh, for the NFL, that's probably the one I'll be going to. <laughs> like, not the best one, like the third best one. And then uh, that's the weekend we need West Ham. Okay. I love it. I love it. Hey, listen, bud, great to chat to you as ever. Loving your work from afar. Uh, look after yourself and check in with us soon. Thanks, Matt. You're the best. Always, always, always a lot of fun. I wish we had... Frankly, another hour to chat to Greg. Uh, Ollie and I did have a running order, which I got through about 5%. (laughs) Well, maybe more than 5%, but certainly there was a lot left on the table. That's the thing with Greg. You can fire any NFL question at him and you're always going to get an insightful and typically entertaining response from him. One of the very best in the business. Always a pleasure working with him. I can guarantee he'll be back soon. He'll be making... Uh, an appearance before we wrap uh, the end of the season. Hopefully we'll see him out in LA as well for the Super Bowl. That's of course his stomping ground. So in fact, you can guarantee we'll we'll see him out uh, in LA for that. So we'll try and grab him on the show at some point as well. Uh, We have got a lot already in the bank this week. Uh, Edge rush coming your way as well. Uh, College days dropped with Ben midweek. Uh, Iron Mike was around on Tuesday as well. So a superb lineup for you to get you set once again. So if you haven't heard those episodes, go back, check in the vault. They're sitting there. Subscribe, whichever podcatcher you are on, and you won't miss an episode. Me and Propo back for Edge Rush. That should drop uh, late Friday, early Saturday. Oh, Friday, Saturday. I'm, I'm going to go Friday. <laughs> All right, we'll stick with Friday. Uh, and both that and uh, Greg's show will get you set for the weekend. So enjoy at the NC Show on all social channels, that extra content, all the good stuff. We will see you for Edge Rush. Bye for now. Podcast Network.